So driving here, um, the Lord reminded me of the scripture, and uh, Rochelle, sorry, I didn't put it on the, the notes, but it only came to me um, driving here, and uh, that's 2 Peter 1, and I'm just going to read from the Passion Translation. Yeah, we're all about the Passion Translation at the moment, aren't we? Um, <laughs> We are a real family, eh? There's like things that like trend with us. We're all like, oh, I like this, I like that. All right, anyway, um, here we go. Uh, so 2 Peter 1, <clears throat> 1 to 11, really, but um, I don't know if I should read that whole thing. Um, but really, it says here, everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited already been deposited um, in us by his divine power. It's already been deposited in by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him. The rich experience of knowing him, who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. Oh, Glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. So devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness. And to goodness, add understanding. To understanding, add strength of self-control. And to self-control, add patient endurance. And to patient endurance, add godliness. To godliness, add mercy toward your brothers and sisters. And to mercy toward others, add unending love. Since these virtues are already planted deep within, and you possess them in an abundant supply, oof, They keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. I mean, we're pretty set up, okay? There's no, uh, there is no lack. Um, And everything we need to be able to partake in this divine life has already been deposited. Um, And this this scripture astounds me. and I think from the, the day that I, I came to know the Lord, um, it was like that was the potential um, right in front of me that the Lord was saying, come and partake of me. Um, and so I guess the whole working out of my salvation and ours is to, to possess what has been deposited, to almost go on the journey of discovering what has already been given to us, um, that special possession, as we heard Sam talk this morning. Um, and, and again, just that beautiful word of hope that sees the potential and speaks from the potential and calls us in. Um, you know, a few months ago, I was uh, having a conversation with a lady who uh, she, she definitely knows that I'm, I'm Christian. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly where she's at, but um, she was just saying, that she was in the midst of uh, a troubling situation and she was lying in bed and um, she said, you know what, I, I, I prayed and um, I, you know, I just really told God what was going on for me and this peace came over me. And um, sort of the way she said it was with like this element of surprise. And I was like sort of surprised at her being surprised. So I was like, yeah, of course, you know. I was like, of course, because he is the living God. Of course, when we cry out to him, he, he comes and he meets with us. And um, it, I think it occurred to me at that point that I don't know how many, whether Christian or not, actually know that God is alive. Like he's a living God and he's the God of the living. And so it's, it's like, of course, you know, um, you speak to him, he's going to speak to you. Um, and so... I really want to start with um, how God made me alive to him and how he is alive to me because it's from this place, really, that has done something in my heart, in my life, that has transformed my attitudes and my actions because um, 
it's, it's in discovering who he is that I've come to learn how to relate to him. What I've received from him is how I give back to him. You see, this is what I'm finding with the Lord. <laughs> he gives me what I need to give back to him what he's asking for. Um, and it's this beautiful, constant circle of him giving and me receiving, and me, what I receive, I give back. And in this process, I'm learning how to relate with the almighty living God. And it brings me more and more alive to who he is um, in my everyday situation. You see, the day my, my soul was unveiled to its creator, the day that he, he came into my heart, was the day it was the, the beginning for me. It was my genesis. Um, it, it, it was my first revelation that, that God exists, but not only that, he is personal and present. This was my first revelation that, that was absolutely fun and is fundamental to how I relate to him. Because from that day, when he brought me alive, he brought me alive to him. And so with a, a reverence, a trembling reverence, it's like, I know he, he is here. He is with me. And it's that penetrating presence that makes you feel naked. So um, the life that God... this. The, the life that he brought me into is the life that was already predetermined in Christ. So it's a life that already existed in him. And, and now I'm coming into the original uh, image of God that is within me that is being redeemed by Christ. Does that make sense? It's, it was already in there. Now the Lord is saying through Christ, through coming into a relational, interactive connection with me, Christ in you, by, through Christ, that, that nature of himself will be redeemed. <clears throat> and so 14 years ago, it was like, man, I understood that I had the monumental opportunity to partake and participate in this new life that was offered. Okay, it was groundbreaking for me. It, it absolutely it was the foundation to where I'm at today. Um, in Ephesians 1.5, it says, For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children, through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for the beloved one, Jesus. Oh, loves us like he loves Jesus. Oh, like if we really get this, it's... It, it, it changes everything. And this, uh, he has for us, beloved, uh, sorry, his beloved one Jesus, um, he has for us. And listen to this, and this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Now, I, I am going to focus on this unfolding plan because he's, he's teaching me through the Holy Spirit, which I'm going to talk later about this unfolding plan that runs parallel to a life that I call preemptive, that we choose and we try initiate and plan our own way. And it's basically running like this. So I'm, I'm going to get to that because in that it reveals how the Holy Spirit teaches us in the moment that we can't, we can't put a formula on how God must teach us. Right? What I'm saying is it's through intimacy we're learning the unfolding of the plan. Okay? So, again, in, in my early days with the Lord, I think it was within a week that um, when I gave my heart to him, I had this dream, and I've shared it before, but it's like he took me up with him, and he met with me, and we were, we were in the heavenlies. And, and he, said, he, he showed me this, um, it was like a movie reel of my life. And this life this predetermined life in him, that if, if I chose to live with love being perfected in me, that I would live without fear in coming to know him, that I would fulfill his pleasure. 
And then it was the stark reality of a life that lived in fear, a, in, a fear-induced preemptive life where I chose my own way to do it, my own thing in my own time. See, God, God's timing is also his will. Okay, And to, to run ahead or to run behind, um, is, that's when we're doing things on our own. Um, and so it was this dream that I had that I remember at the end, he gave me a taste of what regret would look like when one day I stand before him and because of fear, because of not trusting in his unfolding plan, I was bound up and did not fulfill or come into the fullness that was on offer. Um, It was at the end of the dream that he said, okay, now that you know what I have in mind for your life, go and live it. Go and live it. Um, Grace saves us. Grace saves us from life without God and empowers life with God. And it's, it's by his grace that I entered into this dynamic, pulsating life where his love runs through my veins, like in, in me, I can feel it. You know, it's a, it, it is a pulsating life since coming to know Christ. And it, 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 it's like we can stand and say, I am of the same bloodline as Jesus. I am the same bloodline because I've been covered by his blood. I come from the lineage of faith. I come from the lineage of faith and righteousness. All those people before me, whether it was Esther, whether it was Abraham, whoever, whoever lived by faith and was accredited righteous, I am with them. I am familiar to them, right? So we have a new bloodline. We have a new lineage, and it's as real as that. So to talk about disciplines tonight, or to talk about the practicalities, I just want to be clear that um, these these are just, um, they're not life itself, they're a means to go deeper into life, if that makes sense. It's not life itself, life is Christ, but to go deeper with Christ, we have disciplines or or practices that we can do, um, but it, but these things, even these things, are a response to to what he's asking. So I found in my early days, and sort of even today, these spiritual disciplines um, it meant that because my my life before him was preemptive, um, it it meant that I did everything. I was, it was all about self-sufficiency and about control and about planning and making things happen for myself. Um, uh, it was all fear-induced. And so part of the disciplines for me or the practicalities meant that I would invest my time and um, take the little opportunities uh, for control to hand it over to the Lord for ultimate control. That's probably been one of my biggest ways of coming into um, this life that is on offer, is, is to, to realize that I've come from an operating system that's always done it my own way. And so every opportunity I can, every time, is to, when I'm faced with trying to take control or hands-on, it's handed over to me. And how that's looked and in what environments that has happened is many and varied. Um, I had to learn from God. And there's that saying, you know, um, let go and let God. <laughs> I know it sounds cheesy, but it's true. It's so true. Um, it took discipline to, to intentionally direct my attitude and actions toward God and this new life. See, discipline requires us to do things, but not for doing's sake. The doing leads us into being in the presence of God so that, listen to this, that we can sense the rhythm of God's heartbeat. 
right? It's a discipline to, to come in and to, to give the Lord the space he needs, to give the Lord the attention he's asking for. He, not, he's not an attention seeker, but he's pay attention to me. I've got things to say. Value my word. Hang off everything I say. Um, it's, it's, to, it's, it's the disciplines draw, draw us in so that we can draw close to that heartbeat and hear him and hear the, the rhythms of his being. And, and what I found over time is that my disciplines are now rhythms and flow. And so I can, I can move. It's a cooperative process with the Holy Spirit. Right, so in those early days, learning, getting to know him was to know his will. That was a big thing. I had to understand his will. What, what is the point of, of all this? Um, I had to learn to revel in his intentions because I had my own, right? And, and I had to understand what, what his great intentions were, to rejoice in his ways over mine, to rejoice and, and understand that his ways are better, and higher. I had to learn to wait on him before I do anything. It's a big thing. Wait before I do anything. I had to learn to listen first, speak second. Listen first, speak second. Um, I had to learn to settle into his word instead of running off with my thoughts. Can anyone relate to that? I mean, I think that's the biggest cause of anxiety. It's like to, to learn to settle in, settle in, settle in without that sense of, I've got to do something, I've got to fix this, I've got to make this happen. That is anxiety speaking to you, saying if you don't do anything, it's game over, and that's not truth, right? I had to learn to speak out faith and not make decisions from fear. Again, that, that is a discipline. That's a discipline to, to um, choose to not live from fear, but to live by faith. Because it says, right, it says that sin is, um, help me, what's that verse? That, um, to, say that? Anything not done out of faith is sin, right? Um, so... <clears throat> I, it was a discipline as well, and I've written here, together with the saints instead of hitting the clubs. <laughs> okay, so that was like when I was 20, and I was like, what is this life about? But, um, but you know, it was. It was a discipline. Get up and go be with his people and learn from them. You know, I needed, in my early days with the Lord, young in my faith, I needed to be parented. I needed to learn what the boundaries were. I needed to learn what this life in him looked like, and I... Leave me to my own devices, I will create what I think that should look like. And so being with his people is, is absolutely important to, to coming into the whole picture of who God says he is, right? Right. Does anyone, can anyone tonight tell me if, if, if they've experienced being known in such a thorough and intimate way that, that you, you live with such an awareness that you, 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 can't, you can't pretend, you can't act, you can't lie, you can't say anything because you're so conscious and aware of God. And you feel you're so you're so intimately known that you you feel naked. It's like you're walking around in public naked, and only one person knows, and that's him, right? Now I'm not saying that that I am free from those things and I live naked, but but it, it's come to a point of such an acute awareness that it's like my conscious is seared. Like it, if if anything comes up where I know I'm uh, entertaining. Uh, something false or, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's that consciousness of he's in my space, he's, he's in my mind, and he's in my heart. And it's, it's being 
so alive to, to the presence of him in us that, that we, we live from, from that place. <clears throat> right. I, different ways in which I draw from him is one of them is that I expect to hear from him. Like, I expect to hear from him daily, day in and day out. He tells me that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So every day, I'm like, I need to hear from you, because he is God of the living, and he's making him, he is alive. And I'm entering into this divine life that he has promised, right? I'm not making this stuff in my head. It's like, Lord, you said right? So give me what you said you'd give me, <laughs> right? So that's another way I draw from him. It's, you see, when I come to him, when I approach the Bible, I'm not approaching the words. I'm approaching the person. And I, I, what happens is, is that what is written is confirming what is concealed already in my spirit because the spirit of God lives in me, right? So it's not, it's not separate. God is, we are not strangers. Me and God, we're not strangers. You and God are not strangers. So we, we can come with the sense of absolute familiarity, intimacy. When we approach the word, it's, it's not to read the words, but it's to go, okay, seal what you've been saying, you know? Seal what you've been saying. So that's, that's a way of drawing from him. The other way is that awareness of, um, you know, just settling myself into he is here, he is with me, and he wants to speak to me. Um, that, that's another way. You see, when I, when I came to know the Lord, um, it's like my soul instantly understood that it can have no other source now than its creator. And that the creator spoke life into being that his very word created the entire universe. And he's saying that I have a new life for you. So how is that new life going to come about? When he speaks, it's by hearing. Faith comes from hearing. Every time I hear him speak, it's, it is building, it's fulfilling the full potential of that created reality that has already existed of Christ's life in me. So I have to hang off and value every word because it is a communication and creativity are the same thing. Let me tell you something. When, um, when I was pregnant with Rama, I was reading up about how the, the, the throat is actually connected. There's a connection to the cervix. And so when, when you're in labor, when you speak out and you, you go with the waves of pain or the contractions, what is actually happening is as you open your mouth, your cervix is opening. And so they're saying, don't, don't be quiet. Like, if you're in pain, speak it out. If things are going on, like, speak it out. Um, and because there's a, <clears throat> there's a, like a, what do they call it? Like a, I want to say vortex, it's not right. But, but like a, stations between the throat and the cervix. And they, they, they're the places of communication and creativity. And if you think about when the Lord spoke the world into being, right, the Holy Spirit was hovering. And when he spoke, it came into being. And so when I was pregnant with Rhema, it was like the, we can be impregnated with the word, but by speaking out what God has said, we're actually opening ourselves up for that word to become a reality, for that word to be born through us. Does that make sense? And that, that word that's born through us is what? A creative process, right? It is the word being made flesh. Jesus came, the word being made flesh. So the word is everything, right? It's everything. Being with God is what shapes us more and more into the image of God, originally planted within us and redeemed in Christ, as I said. We rest in the knowledge that the practicalities or the disciplines itself is only a means to the deeper life. 
Discipline, listen to this, is the ability to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. This is not the same as the ability to accomplish desired result through human effort. So, expecting from him is what he asks for. I really want us to capture this because I think we can become a bit timid about who we're approaching, but we've got to remember, we've got to remember what he says, right? He, he, he's saying, expect from me, expect from me. So expecting from him is what he asks for. Staking our lives on him is part of his call, right? Come follow me, leave everything. Stake your life on that. Giving to him is compelling. Sharing with him in all things is freeing. Listening to him is a matter of life or death. It will come to a point in your walk. If you're walking closely with the Lord, there will come times when the very word is a life or death situation. And, and I'm not just saying physical, I'm saying spiritually, the soul, the, what, what he is doing. Um, it, it is a life and death situation. It's not just for today, it's for eternity. Okay, it's a long time. And there's the, the, the fullness, what is on offer is fully life, and so anything that's less than that is death. Life with God, God is life, right? Without God, it's death. Um, Sorry, listening to him is a matter of life or death. Imagining life with him in his fullness is called for. Wrestling with him for sight is important. Okay, so again, this is is my, my processing when I'm with the Lord. It's like... I, I often will sit with him and imagine, what is it, what's it going to be like when I see you face to face? What is it going to be like when I'm in the fullness of your presence? What is that going to be like? Because that, that's, that's um, on the forefront of my mind, in the center of my heart. What is that going to be like? And what that does is it's, it, it builds this groundswell of the spirit within me that goes, yep, that's what, that's, I'm an aimed arrow taking you there. You know, it is so direct and precise. And it, it, yeah, it creates hope, joy, and peace. Surrender is compulsory. <laughs> Surrender is compulsory. Man, early days, I did not want to surrender. <laughs> um, you know, I had, I had surrendered my heart and said, yes, but there were things in my life and around me that, uh, that meant it had to be surrendered as well. And so that's a, a daily, again, my time with him, whether it's in solitude, whether it's private, whether it's public, whether it's discipleship group, whether it, whatever environment I find myself in, one, one or two of these things are happening. Surrender is compulsory. It's never, it's, for me, it's never been about creating a spiritual life through spiritual disciplines, but it's about using these disciplines to access and come accustomed to the new life that already exists in Christ. And so every day for me became a new day of learning, exploring, navigating, establishing, and transforming. And things were changing inside of me and affecting what I did. You know, getting to know someone takes time. You have to be intentional. It takes effort, right? And these are, these, this is something you can think of as disciplines. It takes space and it takes trust. But as you get to know them, once, once, the, once it was a discipline and a, a conscious effort, it becomes rhythm and flow. But there will be times, and this is something Kirk and I have just recently gone through with, with the birth of Rayma and the first two months being an absolute whirlwind. And, you know, for, for the first time in a long time, Kirk and I were in a place where we weren't just rhythm and flow. We weren't just, like, functioning as we, we always did. But we, we had to start making a conscious effort to be kind. <laughs> Make me that coffee. No. <laughs> no, but no, seriously though. But it was, you know, it, it, it came back to the disciplines. It came back to the, um, yeah, we're being pressed. But what, what are we choosing? 
What are we choosing? Because again, life and death is in the tongue. Okay, What we speak now, are we going to mean it in a year later? I hope not. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, so what I'm saying is these disciplines, they don't just get thrown out the window as we mature. They, they are constantly there as our guardrails to keep us on the path into the deep and the fullness of the Lord. And in that, we grow. We grow because we, we're choosing again. We're choosing again. Um, you know, in 2 Peter 1, the scripture I wrote out, it says, you know, add to your faith. And I used to really battle with that. Like, why would you need to add to your faith? Like, faith is everything. Well, no, because faith is what the Lord has given you to hear, right? Faith, he actually imparts faith. You know that, right? We don't, we don't muster that up. So he gives us faith to respond to what he's saying. Okay, so. <clears throat> faith comes from hearing, and it also gives us the ability to respond to what we're hearing and to act on what we're hearing. Does that make sense? Um, so in 2 Peter, it says, you know, add to your faith, self-control. And I was like, self-control? I thought we're meant to be under the control of the Lord, like, or under the control of the Spirit. But what he's talking about is self-mastery. It's like, don't let your flesh rule over you. Choose the Spirit. Choose what I'm saying and add it to the word or add it to the faith I've given you. Um, it's, those are disciplines. Choose to cherish your brother and sister. Choose affection. Um, you know, add, add to your faith perseverance. These things are disciplines. This is a, an adding to to come into the richness of, of our faith. Um, <clears throat> The miracle of life hidden in Christ is a real lived experience, not just a belief about our our eternal destiny, but it's a quality of life. It's a quality of life, and it's not just for the hereafter, it's for the here now, right? Eternal life, Jesus says, is that they may know me, which is a today thing. And it's a, it, it is a quality of life, of living cooperatively with the Spirit, coming into the fullness of, of Christ as he redeems us. So I, I, hope, I hope I've, I've shared a bit to this point of um, my, the ins, my ins, insight into the relationship I have with the Lord, how, how I see him, what I, why I do what I do when I'm with him, and how I think my attitude towards him, if that makes sense, um, and how I draw from him. Um, the other question was, how does the Holy Spirit teach us? And, and it's the question for me, how does the Holy Spirit teach me, and what is my cooperative process? I'm saying cooperative because it is a partake and partner with me because you are now a co-heir, <laughs> if we believe it, right? The work of God, Jesus says, the work of God is to believe. Do we believe? Because that is the work of God, right? And I want to I talk about a situation that was the work of God that he was asking me to believe. Um, and a, a work that was already predestined before I even existed. It was a work that was always going to be. Um, and... It's a very recent and specific situation, and uh, if for, why I want to share it is because I think part of it is how the Spirit teaches me, and, and I hope you can hear that. Um, and I believe that he, you know, he addresses us personally, personally for the corporate. Thank you. It's like you took that right off. No. It's his fault. It's his fault. No. just dropped it in, sorry. It's the bee colony. No, it is. It's, it's um, yeah, what, what he addresses in us personally is a, is a work he's doing corporately. Um, and one of the things I believe he is doing uh, in us as a body and I think wants to do in his church globally really is um, putting us in order, putting things in order. Um, last year we looked at the fivefold and that is all about order, the way in which he does things and why and how. And, um, and how to live by his order. And this, this comes back to the predetermined life 
that is a faith-infused life versus the preemptive life that is um, fear-induced. Faith-infused, fear-induced, preemptive, predetermined. Um, and these are, these are two realities that are running every day. Every day, these two realities are running. Um, and one is carried by the drift of the world, and the other one moves with the currents of the love of, the love of God. Okay, One just goes with whatever's happening, with whatever the world is doing, and is shaped by whatever influences it. And the other one is, is, is going with the currents of God's love. And what that means is it's responding to what he has already put in place. Right? When it says we are to be a prophetic people, do we do we understand what this means? To be prophetic is to to know what God is up to, know what He's doing. How do we know this? It's because He says He's given us His Spirit. He has revealed, He is revealing it to us, and so we are to call out the prophetic potential that we are coming into. But these things are already pre-planned, predetermined. Okay, so it's, we're not making this up. We're, we're going with the current of what he's doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, great. So one is predetermined, which means to settle or decide in advance. Okay, so this is some, there, there's a reality in God that is already settled in advance that we are to come into. The other one, when I say preemptive, means taken as a measure against something possible anticipated or feared. And hopefully as I unpack the story more, it will become clear what I'm trying to say. So when I got pregnant, the, the one morning, the Holy Spirit it just impressed in my heart. It was just a thought. Um, and he, he said, when you come spend time with me, what I want you to do is this circular motion. And I was like, oh, does that mean like in public as well? Like, you know, um, and, and, and it was this thing of like, sit with me and I want you to sort of move in a circular motion. And I want you to, to know that while, while you are doing this act, I am stirring something within you. And so circles became quite a, a thing for me. And I sort of went from, the spirit impressing something in my heart to now, okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discover this and study and have a look at it. Um, and so this was, this was growing while I was um, pregnant. And so during some various circumstances that were happening to me, which was quite interesting, um, I mean, crazy things like I was falling over and getting sores that then got infected and all these weird things that were happening during my pregnancy. So circumstantially, just things going on. It was wild. Um, and so he started speaking to me about the wilderness um, and, and taking me in there. So it was circles, it was wilderness, um, and then it was also warfare, and the word raw came up, which was really strange. And so what I do is, this is a, a practicality. No one has to do this, but it's just a way. So I... I Put everything down that the Lord is speaking to me, and these are these are things that not not are always found in the Word, but it's literally from just spending time with Him that something has prompted me, and I, I pop it down. Um, and so these things were were all sort of coming up, and and to be honest, I I couldn't tell you months ago what they meant or why is it important circles. I don't know, but he sort of started unpacking it more and more. Um, so I've come to know that in Hebrew, in the, the Hebrew mindset, <clears throat> a circle represents order. And um, the ancient Hebrews saw time as a circle. So not linear, not beginning, end, but as a circle. And if you look at, at the picture of... Um, this word, it's like, it talks about the movement of man. And so circles talk about generations, uh, moving um, as man 
moves in and out. The next man comes, one born, the other one dies, the next one born. So it's, it's a circular motion. It also talks about the beginning and the end. So I don't know if you know this, but in Genesis, when it says in the beginning, it's actually, it's not the beginning, it's a new beginning because it's a circular thing. Um, and so we look at Adam as the first man, right? And there we see him in the garden, and the Lord has a plan for him, right? Has a plan for him and Eve. And yet the enemy comes and he preempts something, right? He comes and he makes suggestions about who God is and what he might have said. And we see Adam partake of this, this preemptive spirit that is taking him away from the very course that the Lord has set him on. Then we see Jesus, okay? And he's in the, he's in the wilderness, this place of the wilderness. And the word wilderness also comes from the word order, okay? And in the wilderness, it, it talks about the place of speech, a place of arranged order. And so we see Jesus as the next circle, the new man who has come into the garden, and the same thing, the enemy comes and tries to preempt things. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. And what does Jesus do? He declines. He declines because he knows. Spiritual discipline is to know to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Where does that come from? Intimacy. Because remember, Satan comes to him and says, doesn't it say in the Bible, like doesn't it say in the word that the angels will catch you? Right? That's truth. Is that not truth? But, but what was God saying in the moment? You see, to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason only comes through intimacy in that moment. Because you can know truth, right? But it's, what are you hearing? Because faith comes from hearing. And faith gives you the ability to respond to the very opposition. Okay, so I'm, I'm just um, giving context to, to what we were coming into. Um, so if you think about those circles, means order. Um, it also means the word arranged into a sentence. So if you think about Moses, um, it says that, um, let me find it, um, a commanding officer does not speak to his troops. Instead, he formulates his actions, plans, and determines the best means to have these plans carried out. Once all of this is determined, he gives his orders, which is an ordered arrangement of ideas. Okay? So, so, what does that mean? It means when God speaks, it's an, it's an order of arranged ideas. It's what he had in mind all the time. So when he speaks it out, he's saying, this is my order, come into this, and this is what will happen by faith. Okay? Um, so the enemy, the enemy and the opposition will come and try preempt other things to do, to do it another way. Right to come, come off course into what the Lord is saying and doing. And he does this by inducing fear okay, and control. If you do this, you will, you will reign. It will be your kingdom. And he's like, it already is. You know what I mean? But that was not the time for the Lord, for Jesus to, to take rulership. There was a time and a seasoned time when that was going to happen in God's plan. Do you hear what I'm saying? So these things... These things were all going to happen. This was all going to be fulfilled. But God's will is also his timing, and that was not the timing. And Jesus knew that. But, but that sense, that understanding to act, when to act, and when to respond, only comes through intimacy and through uh, the disciplines of being with him. Right? Um, now, I'll get to the actual story, but... Um, I just want to make sure that I'm, yeah, I've given a bit of context. So at 30, 33 weeks, um, um, baby Rayma, she, she got fully engaged, head down. <clears throat> Tess was my, my midwife along with another midwife, and um, she, would, she had a feel the one day, and she was like, can't feel baby's head. Um, and it was this crazy time of, of pressure that I could feel, and it was too early for her to come, right? It wasn't God's timing. That Sunday, uh, Steve McCracken spoke, and he, he talks about 
um, the word and having its time and season, and it, it, it will be birthed when it's to be birthed. Um, but any time before that, no woman wants to go into labor prematurely, right? And I heard that, and I was like, whoa, I'm the only one in the room. Anyone else hear that? Like, that was a rhema word. That was a rhema word spoken, and I, I took that, and I, I was rejoicing, um, and that Monday, I think it was, me and, me and Kirk had a scan, and the guy has no idea. He's scanning my belly, and next minute, baby has literally come back up, and she is now sitting breech, right? And I remember having this conversation with Tess afterwards. Like, it's great that she's not engaged, but, you know, breech, is that any, any better? <laughs> and uh, she was like, look, it's still early. We've got time, you know. Um, little did I know that she was having dreams that I was going to give birth breech, but she never told me that. <laughs> Um, and so, anyway, we're waiting for this baby, and she's, uh, she's sitting breech, and weeks are going by, and, um, you know, I'm being told to do different exercises, you know, lie backwards, put your feet up, uh, which was hard work, um, you know, do, do these things to help. But one of the other things that were suggested, okay, that was suggested was to have an ECV. Now, ECV is when an obstetrician uh, comes, and they, they, they put their hands on baby, and they... they help manipulate baby to follow baby's nose to to go into the breech position. When I heard that, I I was like, no, does not sit right. I didn't want to just say no for the sake of saying no. I wanted to hear from the Lord on it. So that Sunday again, in the service, gathering with the saints, and the Lord spoke. Jo got up, she, she said, you know, things may seem upside down, but I want to tell you. <laughs> I know, right? Honestly, rhema word. Things seem upside down, but keep your ear inclined to the Lord because, um, uh, what did you say? It's not, it's not confused. And it's the right way up. I was like, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. And, and I did. And, and as we went into worship, the Lord just started speaking to me in the spirit, right? Just, just talking to me, downloading. And he's saying, baby, in my eyes, is the right way up. Do not let flesh come and take hold of or manipulate an internal reality. Hands off. Hands off. And so in that moment, it was like a settling of okay, I know what to do. He's given me, I have faith, I've heard, and now I have to trust that he'll give me the ability to walk this out. Oh man, because it's tempting. It's tempting to go, to take the preemptive action, to, to give control to, to a man over hearing, hearing in the um, unseen realm. To take the preemptive action that, okay, she's not turning, so you better do the job. God's like, no, no, no. I took her from fully engaged to breach position. I can flip her again, right? So don't rush in. Don't feel the urgency. Don't feel by fear that you have to do something. This is, this is an untouched process. So anyway, we started talking together about the breach position. At this point, I didn't know with breach that you could give birth breach. I thought it was like you either have the ECV or you need to go have a cesarean. Anyway, talking it through, at this point, I think <clears throat> Tess had a dream that this baby came out breech, and that was a girl. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> um, But in it, she, she saw exactly how baby would come out, and she didn't know much about breech births at that point. But sitting with the midwife, she explained the process of how baby will come, and it's so cute, like the little bum pops out first, and then the legs pop out, and, and, um, and, and its head. And... Um, Anyway, so exactly what Tess saw in the dream, the midwife explained how baby would come out. So all of this, my point in saying this, all of this was confirming what the Lord had spoken through brothers and sisters, through the gatherings on a Sunday. Through, so it, it, didn't, it didn't come in the word. It wasn't like, Melissa, give birth, breach, say no. There's no word like that, right? That's the difference between the logos and the rhema. Okay, it's the personal present word for a specific situation, hence her name, Rhema. Okay, so again, it's a, a display of Rhema. Um, time went on. 
Um, I had to go have appointments with people because they, they, they were saying that, um, you know, that no longer is there a skill in delivering birth breach. Um, and they were pretty much freaking out. They were like, look, lady, no one knows how to give birth breach. You need to think about the ECV again. Or if you don't go the ECV, then we want to suggest that you have an early epidural. What does an epidural mean? It means you lose mobility. You lose control. Okay, now control in this aspect again, I'm talking about that self-control where the Lord says, master, master your flesh that submits to the spirit. I already heard from the word. I, I believe that I have the ability to respond to what God's asking me to do. Right? And so this preemptive thing, this preemptive things are going to go wrong. You can't do it this way. If you do it this way, this can happen. It was a fear-induced, preemptive, let us take charge, let us take control. Now, hear me, again, I'm not against ECVs, I'm not against cesareans, I'm not against any of that. It was the, the fact that I had heard, and for me to do it differently would be blatant disobedience. Um, and so I had to go on this process of literally, as Jesus was you know, in the wilderness, when he says, man does not live by bread alone, I had to live off that word. And there, were, there was one day I received a letter in the post and it was from the hospital, and they, were, they pretty much just laid out all the conversations we had, and they were very strong in their language of how I had declined this, I was adamant about that. I mean, I sounded hardcore, and I'm like, I'm not that hardcore. I'm so scared. No, no. But it was like, it was a very confronting letter because it was, this is what you're saying no to, and this is how, how much in opposition you are to what we're saying to you. And I, got, I remember getting on my face and just, just on my face before the Lord and just crying out to him, like, Lord... I hope I heard from you right. I, I, I am, I'm putting everything on this. And um, if, the, you know, the, the labor is really going to be the display of whether, whether I heard you through righteousness or whether I'm in fairyland and I'm making things up because I'm going against all the odds. Not just me, Tess and, and everyone else that was sort of backing the faith word. <laughs> Um, and the Lord came, and again, he just he spoke to me, and he comforted me, and he reminded me. He said, what, what have I said? What have I said to you? Like, stake your life on what I'm saying to you. Choose, know that I have predetermined. The, the works were laid down before the foundations of the earth. You have the opportunity to realize the reality I'm calling you into, that predetermined life. Don't choose the preempt. Don't don't uh, cut the process short because of fear. So in that, I want to say, you know, there will be times again when we receive the word, it will put you in direct opposition to reality. It will put you in direct opposition, and you're going to have to choose to stand firm in that word. How you do that, I think we're all going to have different ways. For me, it was flat on my face. Flat on my face, asking him to just come and be with me and to remind me what he has said. When I was on my face, the other thing, and I'm describing these things because, again, it's like practicalities. For me, a practicality being on my face was calling out to the Lord. But also, I found myself speaking to the heavenly realms, to the powers and principalities, because I knew fear was knocking on my door. And I, I just said... I am declaring out loud that the Lord is living and he is my God and I belong to him. I, I live by his word. It's his word that feeds me. I live all from, from the word of God. And I had to declare that. I had to speak it out to make every power and principality that was maybe listening to know that I am not bowing down, that I'm standing on the almighty God.
And again, you know, the time I went into labor, I went into the hospital and again found myself with Tess and the midwife having the same conversations where now they were preempting and saying, look, we actually want to move you into theater. And I'm like, why? We want to move you into theater in case things go to a cesarean, in case, in case. You know, it's that protection, like preserve yourself. That's what fear does preempt to make sure that things go but it's again it's a control it's a control trying to take hold the preemptive life is like a controlled life that tries to influence because fear is the the destination not faith and um and again me and Tess and Kirk found ourselves on our knees praying praying Labor continued, and it was beautiful. She, 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 made, she did all the work. She made her way down. It was untouched um, right to the end. But, you know, in this, as I was saying, the Lord, when he speaks, addresses things personally for us, right? For me, he wanted to make it clear, the two, the two different realities and what we're called to live by. It, it is for a corporate thing as well, you know, he's teaching us all, but in different situations, okay, and one of the things that really came through this was people around me were confirming things all the time about what the Lord was saying, whether, whether it was, um, I had a friend who went for a run, she went, oh, I just, I just um, felt like the Lord said, buy you honey, she had no idea what Raymond's name was going to be, on Christmas, day before Christmas, the Christmas tree, the I can never say this word, Pahutakawa tree. I, I heard this humming, and I, I went, and it was all these bees pollinating, but making such a buzzing noise. And um, it was like the bee colony. You know, it was, it, was, it was those around me praying, and, of course, I went into labor the next day. Um, things like um, um, in, in the hospital room, when the Lord was talking to me about warfare and the word raw, after these full-on conversations with the obstetrician, Tess looked at me and she said, Mel, now is the time to roar. And I shivers up my arms because I knew that word. I had been given it again through the word and now was the time. See, the word was a sword for the time and the situation that was needed. So God uses what he's teaching one, he's teaching all. And we can all partake in coming into this divine nature that he has promised. Um, just so, so beautiful. Um, I'm going to finish up because I, I realize I'm going way be, beyond time. So I just want to say this. Um, everything I do practically is to actively live in response to the predetermined life by faith. Okay? That's, that's, the, that's what practicality means to me. And to be honest, I really battled with, what does practical look like? But that's what it is for me. Uh, so everything I do practically is to actively live in response to the predetermined life by faith. The more I rest in what is already and focus on what will be, the less time and energy I have to be caught up in the fear-induced preemptive life that demands I take control and take my life back into my own hands. Ephesians 2.10 says this, We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Okay, so the predetermined life is an ordered one. And when we live in relational, interactive beauty with the Lord, we, he, that informs us of his order and his ways. And so what happens is, as we're hearing, we're now responding. And we're then fulfilling the very order that he's already planned out. Does that make sense? Okay. Compared to, I think this is what he's doing. I think I haven't really heard... I'm just sort of going with the flow. It's, it's a very different reality. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I would just talk way too long. But um, let's... <laughs> thank you, Lord. Let's, let's pray. Father, I, um, I am just in awe of you.
God, there is, there is no one like you. Um, nothing compares to who you are. Um, you, you are not on any level of anything in my life. You are above and beyond, and you are in your own, um, uh, your own class. <laughs> you are the creator. You are the king. You are um, the center and the circumference of our lives, and I pray that we would be a church who will willingly and volunteeringly give our lives to the order of, your, of, of your, your word and your works. And Lord, that we would know the works um, that have been predestined are works um, that you say are to believe you, to believe you on your word. And so I pray, Father, tonight I pray for every person in this room and, and those who, who will be listening um, for ears to hear ears to hear through through intimate relationship, to hear and to act on what you're saying. Because the, that life, that life of responding to you is true life. That is the life of freedom. That is the life of peace, joy, and righteousness. Um, and it, it's the only way to live. To listen is to live. So I thank you. I thank you that you are a God who is speaking. I thank you that you speak in the wilderness and that at times, you take your bride into the wilderness to, to speak to her lovingly, to show her and remind her who you are. I love you, God, from the depths of my soul and my being. And um, I just want to thank you for what you have recently shown me and through others. I thank you for this body who, who have absolutely been the hands and feet of you uh, to Kirk and I during this time. So we, we bless you tonight, Lord, and thank you. Amen. Thanks, guys. Right here. Yes, yes. Oh, right. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. So, so how funny is this? I was uh, reading my journal. Um, me and Kirk went on our baby moon in October. And, um, you know, me and, me and Tess, when we, when we would have coffee, we would, like, talk about this beautiful home birth, perhaps a home birth. I mean, I gave birth in the car. Home birth would be easy, right? I was like, let's do it. Anyway, I brought it up with Kirk. He's like, heck no. He's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, why not? He's like, no, 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 no. Um, he's like, I have to hear from the Lord. I have to hear from the Lord. And if he says so, then fine. And, of course, we didn't hear from the Lord. So, so, so... My idea of giving birth was this peaceful, the wilderness, peaceful, ordered environment, home environment, landed up being in the hospital with like 12 people in the room watching. <laughs> out of curiosity, out of fear, I had, I had two pe- people from NICU to make sure that she was okay straight after the birth. I had midwives who wouldn't even talk to us because they were just annoyed at us because we were going on with this breech birth. We had the two obstetricians. Um, so... It was a room full of people, you know, I wasn't expecting an audience, but, but it, it, it was the ultimate display of the Lord's word being made manifest. Yeah, so um, he's amazing. Any other questions? No, okay. Oh. It's more of a reference. Reference, yes. It's interesting, I was thinking about this just before you prayed, uh, Paul's prayers, um, Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, you referenced that a little bit, and Philippians 1, uh, 9 through 11, both talk about discernment, and it's a definite challenge working through that in those moments, you don't know where it's going. Job, he didn't know much at the end, it's an interesting point. That's right, that's right, exactly, and you know that... Did you all hear that? We didn't know the outcome. So, of course, there were times when I was gathering with people that were walking with me through this, and we didn't know the outcome, but we knew what he was saying in the moment. And that's, that's again, how we have to live is in response to the very thing he is saying now and today, which only comes through intimacy. Would you have done anything different if you knew what was ahead? <laughs> Uh, good question. Would I have done anything different if I knew what I was, what was ahead? Um, that's why he doesn't tell us. Well, that's right. Um, oh, that's a good question, Roy. Would I do anything different if I knew? 
you know what, probably, I probably would have gone into the preemptive, like, oh, you know, like, I've got to secure, I've got to make sure everything's okay, I've got to control if that's going to be the outcome. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, that's cool. One of the key things, and and thank you so much for sharing, and, and just being so honest and open, and the key in all of this is we don't know the outcome. And that's part of the faith step that's got to get us there because there's something that's got to happen through that journey. I'm, actually, I'm really glad the way that you spoke and delivered tonight and you didn't actually focus on the outcome because we will naturally go, oh, my goodness, breach. Oh, so we've got to pray for the outcome for the baby to be born the right way around and for it all to happen and be focused on the outcome and miss everything that he's actually doing, which is exactly what you shared tonight, which was the journey and the process through, not the outcome. Because the outcome was the journey and the process through. And lo and behold, there's a birth too at the end of it. you know. And otherwise we'll miss the very thing. And as we dialogue and as we talk tonight and share, think about that. Because we're each one of us going to be faced with the issues of life and it's not the outcome of the issue of life that you're going to be facing that's primarily the, the thing to be focused on. It's the knowing of him as he reveals who he is to you and who he is in you so that you can be him through that situation. Yeah? And that's what I heard tonight. So thanks very much. Thank you.